Welcome to episode 10, episode 10 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Uh, genuinely a big shock that it's 10 episodes. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened so far and for everyone for sharing on the stories and passing on the word of mouth. It's a huge help in helping it grow. Um, I love seeing the feedback every week. I never get sick of it. If you're not already, you can follow on Instagram at Coffee Pods and Wads and we're on patreon.com forward slash Coffee Pods and Wads. Uh, Patreon is basically an opportunity for the listener to show financial appreciation for podcasts. Trust me, there's no way to say that without sounding crass. I'm doing my best. Um, but basically it means that the set of headphones that I need or the portable recorder that I might have my eye on for doing out and abouts becomes more attainable, basically. Um, this week's guest is Tim Polson. He's a four times games athlete. He's a gym owner. He's a coach. Um, he's very considerate in what he says. And I have to thank him for coming on, first of all. And second of all, for being so honest um, and open, especially about his struggles at the games last year. I've found that particularly good uh, listening to him talking about it um, I took a lot from the chat with him and hopefully you will too um, I also just want to thank Joe Monaghan because without him this episode wouldn't be going to air there's a couple of issues with the sound on this my fault I fucked up but look I'm I'm learning um, and hopefully I'll never make the same mistake again because I basically didn't sleep last night thinking about it um, it sounds a little bit kind of shitty at times but look put up with it because what he says is worth listening to um so yeah sorry about sound hopefully it won't affect your listening too much um thanks again for listening 10 episodes madness straight in no kissing <laughs> um cool right thanks for doing this really appreciate it absolutely man. um so what i thought we'd do is seeing as the the name of the podcast is coffee pods and wads i thought we'd do chat about coffee chat about podcasts and then well, training and a few bits like that sounds perfect cool um so you're pretty vocal on your fondness for all things coffee i am um, i see you post you put you put up someone you didn't ask me anything kind of thing the other day and someone asked you for your two favorite espressos and i saw an irish brand in there you did yeah. that was yeah i was in uh dublin surprised me actually i mean i guess now ireland's awesome so it didn't surprise me that much but um yeah i mean dublin's espresso scene and coffee scene was like very lively and that was yeah. a very pleasant surprise for me when i came over to visit this time because last time i was in ireland was seven or eight years ago and i wasn't as big of a coffee fiend back then so i didn't really kind of look into it or explore it so now it's like the first thing i do when i go a new place is look for the best best espresso bars in town so yeah it was a good time yeah um i suppose seven or eight years ago there probably would have been like two yeah <laughs> you would have had a lot of like beulies like standard yeah. drip or whatever but yeah it's cool it's like it is really taking off in fairness um I always think it's like uh, if you go to a city or a town, it's a nice gauge of like what kind of place it is based on, you know, what the coffee shops are like. Oh, yeah. How bougie things are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if, if you see like a, you know, a standard coffee brand sign outside, you're like, oh, man, I'm not going to like this town. Whereas if you see like, ooh, that place has got ropes on their lights, that must be cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. When I... When I studied abroad in Ireland when I was in college, and when I got to my place, again, I was, wasn't really a coffee snob at the time. So, like, back home, you know, I just had a drip machine. Like, I had the, you know, like, the, the basics. But when I got to Ireland, the only thing in my entire flat was just a water boiler. Yeah. And I was very confused because I didn't know how I was supposed to make my coffee. And apparently, instant coffee was, like, a very common thing, at oh. least 
it's oh. the only thing. I know. And so, like, I came over here and I drank nothing but instant coffee for, like, four months when I lived here. And because, like, you know, again, I didn't really know any better at the time. Like, I drank drip coffee back home. But even I was like, man, I'm, I'm stepping down a little bit. This is this is yeah. not... I, I was at I was at a coffee tasting thing because I'm a total ponce, um, <laughs> and it was like they it was like a blind tasting, so they had loads of different cups, and you took like a just a spoon and just sipped whatever, and they were all numbered one to ten, and it was like oh just write down what you can taste, and like I'm shit at stuff like that because I'm just like taste like coffee, and then I go to the next one taste like coffee, and I, I know <laughs> if I like it or I don't like it, but I'm not like oh I can taste the oak or whatever. Yeah. So um. The first one, I was like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And then she's like, what does it taste like? And I was like, nice coffee. And then we moved around the table, and I was kind of like, wow, these all just taste really nice. I'm not really getting, uh, you know, any real divide between, like, that one's amazing and that one's shit. Yeah. And then I got to one, and I tasted and I was like, fuck. And she was like, what? And I was like, that actually tastes like an ashtray or something. And she was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then that was, like, number eight. And then number nine was like, whoa, that's worse. Like, what the fuck? Why are you putting these out? Yeah. And then it turned out that she was like, okay, so the first eight are like ours and some of our competitors, you know, of equal, I suppose, not niche, but, you know, like kind of yeah. artisan type coffees. And then she was like, number eight is like a chain that I can't name, but like, I assume it was Starbucks or Costa. Yeah. Uh, and then she was like, and the last one was like instant Maxwell House. <laughs> I was just like, fuck, like, because you know, like growing up, like I, I didn't really like coffee until I was like, you know, mid twenties because all that was drank in our house was instant coffee. So you just had that fake smell of like burnt kind of chocolate toffee coffee kind of weird taste like so you know it never appealed to me and then like when you start finding those like i mean you put up some amazing pictures of espressos where it's just like oh that's just incredible looking like you can really taste it through the screen like i mean the cool thing that like i've started to appreciate more and more recently is like as as much as it's about like obviously them sourcing good beans and you know everything like that like which barista is on staff has mm. like I didn't realize what a difference it made because like we have a we have a very nice espresso bar like here in Ithaca where I live and you know like there's I know most of the baristas if not by name by face because I'm there every day mm. so but you know like whenever you see like the the trainee baristas on the on the bar for the day and you like look down at your cup and you're like this doesn't look right and you taste it and you're like this doesn't taste right, but it's the mm. same beans that everyone, you know, it's the same roast that everyone's pulling. Like they have a standard one that they pull and then they have a, like, you know, they rotate every couple days on their like, you know, fancy espresso or whatever. But yeah, they pull their like standard shots. And like, if you get a good barista, it tastes like having in your mouth. And if you yeah. get like the new guy who doesn't know what he's doing, just tastes like very normal coffee. Yeah. Nothing special. Like, yeah. It's kind yeah, of sad. Like there's a I, I went for a coffee the other day and I was like I'm not gonna name where I was but I went in and I, I was getting a takeaway like they do like food I'm gonna end up giving it away to anyone who lives near me but I went in, <laughs> they do like kind of healthy takeaways or whatever I went in and I got one for my wife and I said oh I'll get a flat white when I'm waiting like and it was 310 like on the board and I was like fuck so like I was like them's Dublin prices you know this better be good yeah. And um, she was like, oh, do you want your fat wife now? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll have it when I'm waiting. And then I saw her pouring the milk into the jug, and I was like, that's a lot of milk for a flat white. But I kind of didn't say anything. And then I saw her reaching for a big cup, and I was like, oh, no. I was like, it's too late now. I can't stop her. Oh, and it was sure. like, she just made me like a, a really, like, 
I don't know how she made it so hot, first of all. But she made like a crazy hot, really big latte, like massive. And like she was like, Here's your flat white. And in my head I was like, No, it's fucking not. But on the outside I was just like, Thank you so much. It's like I ended up leaving it behind, but like it really just ruins it if there's someone like you know with the I'm sure the best intentions, like, but it's just like you know, I'd rather shit on my hands and clap than drink it. Like, you know? <laughs> I was, I went down to visit a buddy out of town a couple of weeks ago and we went to grab coffee for the road home. And like, you know, of course I Googled, all right, like best espresso in the area. It was kind of like out in the, like out in the, you know, country ish. So it's not like you have a ton of options, but I walked into the coffee shop and you know, they have, it looked nice. I was like, all right, like I have high hopes for this, but they had small, medium, large, and I wanted an Americano for the road because I wanted to, you know, sip it on the drive home. Mm. So I order, I'm like, all right, can I just get like a, you know, medium Americano, like quad shot, like, you know, do me up. And it comes out and it's a 20 ounce coffee for a medium. And I was like, I now have 20 ounces of funny tasting water to drink on the way home. (laughs) Too hot is going to burn my mouth. And like, Obviously, I ordered it, so I'm not like, you know, I wasn't going to waste it, so I just took it and we left, but I was like, damn, like, it should be small, medium, large, and large should be like 12 ounces. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anything above 12 ounces, and you've probably already lost me as far as hot beverages go. Yeah, they're surely like cinema Coke sizes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll take a handful of sugar, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, where's the best coffee you've had then? Like, if so, usually when I ask, like, say I had Tommy and Sean on like last week, and they were talking about, um, you know, specific people they were with and like a location that they were in. Uh, like, obviously, the coffee is an important factor, but like, is there any is there any specific coffee that you, like you remember really fondly? Yeah, so I guess there's two. Um, the first one was actually so the fur my second year at the games was the marathon row. Yeah. Or no. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, 2018 maybe, but yeah. whatever year the marathon row was, um, I remember. That doesn't two, sound like something you should forget. To be honest. I mean, I don't forget <laughs> the experience and the pain, but I have definitely forgotten the timeline of most of my yeah. life. Um, yeah. The only thing I remember is when I got engaged and then when I met my wife and when we got married. Those are like the three things I can remember. Everything else is just kind of a blur. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was actually my wife and I walked into uh, there's this place I think it's called Marigolds in Madison, and it's like a great breakfast spot. Like they have good coffee as well, but like the breakfast is awesome. So we went there basically like every day that we were there. And two days before I started competing, you know, I'm getting super nervous, like all fired up and kind of like ready to go. And um, oh, you know what? I take that back. It was my rookie year because that now it makes sense. Um, but anyway, so we walk into the coffee shop and we're standing in line and we order our food and I'm standing up front, like, you know, waiting for my coffee to come out or something. And Pat Sherwood is like two people behind me in line. And I had no idea that he knew who I was. Mm. Like, it, it didn't occur to me. Like, obviously I knew who he was. Yeah. So I turned around and I was like, Oh, Hey, you know, Hey Pat, like, you know, nice to meet you. We exchanged some pleasantries. And then he's like, Hey, um, you know, would you mind if I sat down and had breakfast with you guys? And I'm like, uh, sure. Like, why, why not? Whereas like inside, I'm like, yeah, full on having a heart attack, like, Oh God. And you know, we, so we sat down to breakfast and it was like one of the nicest, like we chatted for like an hour and a half, him, myself, and my wife had a great breakfast, talked about like all things affiliate owner and just like the CrossFit scene and kind of shared some stories. So like, that was a very cool, like it was breakfast and coffee, but like, that was definitely one of my like favorite, one of my favorite, uh, like coffee moments, I guess. Yeah. And do you, like, sorry, it just, if you're, like, 
say if you're standing now, like if you go back to Madison, Madison now this year, and like when you're standing in a queue, like is it weird? Because like that's your crowd that's going to be there. So yeah, like are you kind of like if it's like you say if if you're in your first year, you're kind of nervous and getting amped up and stuff. You're yeah. obviously going to be, you know not as nervous but probably equally as keen to be focused and like if someone's coming up to you obviously it's part and parcel of the you know your career that you know you're a sports person so people are going to want to meet you and stuff but is there times when like during the game when you're when you're going for a cup of coffee or something that someone turns around and you're like please don't come over to me not today like <laughs> no i mean honestly like i like i've always loved and part of it's probably like being an affiliate owner like sharing my experience and my love for crossfit and coaching has always been like you know it's just always been part of my life and part of my daily routine um you know so i think like from the athlete side of things like people are always super polite and like you know they're never everyone that i've run into anyway like they've never been rude or like you know they've kind of like been inappropriate i guess you could say you know like if i'm in line for coffee or if i'm hanging out you know it's like i love when people come up say hi like you know have a chat like i think i think that's kind of a fun you know that's part of the you know part of the life and part of you know part of the journey and i actually really i enjoy that part like i love getting to meet people and kind of like seeing new people in the community whether it's abroad or at the games or you know anything like that um and i mean also realistically once the games start we're so busy like we, you don't really see us out much mm. you know it's like i i grab a coffee at like 6 30 in the morning and i grab another one to go to bring with me to the venue and then like you know you don't really run into anybody that early but like in the days leading up to the games and after like you know you see a ton of people and i think you know like I, that's that's part of the experience for me and i kind of love that yeah that's what it's like it's nearly a responsibility like because you know you're like would you do you think you'd do it if you didn't like it like do you think you'd would you stomach it if you if I know it's hard to put yourself in that position because you do, but do you think if you didn't like it, you'd still be like, well, that's part of my fucking job. I better do it. Like, yeah, I mean, I think like I'm sure some athletes kind of have to do that. Like, if you don't, you know, kind of enjoy that social side of it as much. Um, but I think you can tell when it's not genuine. You know, yeah. like it, like when you interact with someone, if they don't really want to talk to you, like you can, you know, that. dead eye stare, like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, whereas, like, again, like, I, you know, I, I kind of love having a genuine conversation with someone. Like, I want to hear about their affiliate. I want to hear about how long they've done CrossFit, you know, kind of, like, chat about it. So, I think, you know, that's, I think that's kind of fun, and that's kind of part of the, you know, like I said, that's kind of part of the experience. Mm. Sorry, I interrupted you there, your, your second uh, coffee. Oh, yeah, so the second best one was actually, we were in, um, we went, I was at uh, South Africa for Fittest in Cape Town last year, mm -hmm. and two of our good friends who, uh, they're affiliate owners in South Africa, and they became kind of quick good friends of ours, um, we were down in Cape Town, and it was one of the days before the events had started, and we found this place called, it was Bootlegger's Coffee, and they had like, their espresso was great, and that's what I'd had the day before, but they had like some magical concoction for their cold brew that was like, just I, I don't know what it was it was nitro cold brew but I, I don't know what they did or added to it that it just tasted like I can't even explain how good it was it was just, it was, yeah it was <laughs> it was so delightful though and it was like you know it was just like a beautiful 80 degree sunny South African day and like you know I was having a blast competing and just like you know kind of no stresses about the whole thing and we were there with our friends in a you know different country and like that was just another kind of like very cool like just you know environment in a coffee shop and the shop had an indoor area and then they had basically walls that they could pull up because like indoor outdoor living is very big in South Africa especially because mm -hmm. most of the places are generally very temperate and very nice so you know again it's like it opens up to tables outside and the place was packed and like all the like 
steampunk was kind of the vibe for the coffee shop so like all the all the baristas and all the serving people were all like dressed up in these like kind of like unique outfits that you know like suspenders and striped shirts and like that kind of whole like cool hats and all that stuff so it was just like a cool very cool environment and cool vibe um and i mean it was a very fun competition and like a good you know memory of mine so that was my other like probably favorite coffee experience yeah, it's cool. Sounds really cool. I remember we were in, we went to uh, Kenya for our honeymoon, and we stayed in like yeah, this as kind of like I don't know half resort, half like hotel, half huts kind of thing. But yeah. like every morning they used to wake you up with the coffee if you asked the night before. Yeah. And like the, like, ugh, it probably wasn't that great, but like. I always just remember the taste of that coffee immediately just because of the experience it was in. Like, you know, the yeah. coffee itself was kind of grand, but like, it was like, yeah. shit, I can hear a warthog. Like, you know, it's yeah. like... <laughs> that's no, that like the African continent has a very special place in my heart for like wild, like just like people, wildlife, like that whole, it's a very, very cool place. So yeah. I feel very lucky to have been there a couple of times. I remember when, I think I said this to you before, but when I was at the games last year, like, I was very conscious of the fact that you were putting up like you know on your story you were like in such and such a place and a picture of coffee and I was like to Orla like my wife I was like oh I know where we're going today and then I was really conscious of like you know I'd be like we'll go now and I'd be like no we're wait he's I he might still be there so we'll wait because this is the first coffee shop he's been to that we're going to and I don't want to make it look like we're talking about but uh, yeah, no, keep that up because I'd say I imagine I'm not the only person that checks in when you're in different places and sees like, oh, I must go there if I'm ever there. So that's cool. Like, it's actually um, really funny. We've got two, uh, two of my a, a close friend of mine from high school, and then uh, one of my best friends' older brother. They're both uh, separately going to Ireland like this summer for like vacations or trips, mm-hmm. and they both reached out over the last couple weeks and they were like, all right, hey, like I just saw you were there. I'm going to need your espresso list of like tastings and where to go. And also if you have any recommendations on obviously like the normal stuff, like some of the touristy things, but like they wanted my coffee recommendations for like when they go to Dublin or like one of them's going to Galway for a day. So like they wanted to know the coffee spots to hit. And I was like, all right, luckily I've already been hooked up. So I know exactly where to send you. Yeah. When you, when you were here and like, uh, we were out for, uh, just for anyone that's listening, I suppose. So t- Tim, when Tim was over for Filthy, he came to Wolfhound, our gym, and he did a seminar, and it was really good. And we went out for a bit of food afterwards, and it was like I kind of brought up. I was like, "Oh, you you like coffee?" And uh, you're like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a really good place to go." And I was like, "Oh, strap yourself in, son." I was like, <laughs> "I got a fucking list at home. I'll send it to you." But like, it was that was so cool because I remember like even obviously you're someone I admire in the sport, so it was cool to you know it's always cool to help an idol, even if it's like separate from the sport. But like, I was like, you know, really loved sending you a name of a place. And then you'd be like, fucking nine and a half out of 10. That place is amazing. Like, you know, it's, yeah. cool. it's cool when you find someone that likes the stuff that you like. Cause if you other people, like people I work with, I'd be like, Oh, you ever been to such and such cafe? They'd be like, no, it's like, Oh, okay. never mind. So it's cool <laughs> when you find a like-minded, you know, yeah. person. And then like, I was saying in one of the episodes, like that's kind of what started the podcast because it was a running joke between me and Joe that like Joe was like, you know, you know, I've been sending Tim any more places or any more wild goose chase or whatever. And then he was like, Oh, I should set up an Instagram page of good uh, coffee places. And then I was like, well, I was actually thinking of starting a podcast. And then, so it's cool. It's cool that ten episodes in, you're on it. Like, you know, it's yeah. funny, uh, it's funny circular narrative. Like yeah. full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
speaking of podcasts then i suppose like you you do you you're you're pretty good for like soundness and like agreeing to do different things like i mean i i've seen you on loads of different things like you must just really like i suppose it's the fan aspect again but like you know it's given up an hour of your time to do different things like you know you've done an awful lot of different podcasts like um have you like do you just kind of blindly agree say like yeah yeah cool i'll do it, whatever once it's not like you know white supremacist shit or whatever i'm i'm game or or do you like are, are you more considered about the ones that you do obviously you thought long and hard about doing this and because you loved it so much you did it but i mean other ones like. oh of course <laughs> um yeah i mean honestly like i think you know i i love to talk um i love to talk fitness and like you know my wife will tell me that i should probably shut up about it like a little bit more often than i do but you know it's like i i love what i do for a living and like crossfit and fitness is a very big part of my life because again I'm, I'm a coach and i'm an affiliate owner i'm an athlete and like you know there's a lot of different aspects to kind of approach all this stuff and it's been you know cool for me like being an affiliate owner and a small business owner there's that aspect of it there's the coaching and the improvement aspect of things there's my training and the mentality that goes into that so there's just like so many different ways that you can approach I guess the experiences that I've had and like you know everyone kind of comes at it a little bit differently so it's always fun to see the way that people I guess the way that people try and kind of pick my brain and like share experiences and stuff like that so yeah I, I just kind of enjoy it I, I love a good I love a good chat so I suppose it's cool like it's an it's a nice opportunity for you to reflect on something that like you say if someone asks you a different question something you might necessarily have thought of and then you get have an opportunity to kind of reflect on it and think about it a bit like yeah yeah I mean that's like reflecting on you know I'm reflecting on my life experiences and the things that CrossFit has kind of brought into my life like I mean in the last four years alone like the amount of just kind of changes and like successes and obviously some failures as well that I've had like it's it's hard to it's been such a, like such a steamroller, like everything moves so fast, like all the time. Cause especially with like, you know, first game, second games qualifying and then all the changes and just like the things that like, it just felt like so many things were happening at once that it's, you know, it's hard to kind of step back sometimes and really appreciate kind of what's going on and how far you've come or things that you want to do. And, you know, like I just had the thought the other day, like for some reason it just hit me. I was like, Holy shit. I was like, I'm going to my fourth CrossFit games this summer like that's you know, like I like you know I, like I qualified for one and I was like yeah I want to qualify for another and I was like I, you know like I didn't know realistically how many I like you know you have you expect a lot of yourself but you also don't know what to expect it's unpredictable I suppose yeah and you know it's even like even in the old system when we knew the structure and we knew what we were getting into it's like you know got like a wrench could get thrown in or like yeah. you know I mean you just maybe you know, whatever, like whether you have an injury or whether the, you know, someone is just better than you at the series of tests that's presented at a given time. Like it's, you know, it's, it's just a lot of unknown, you know, there's no guarantee that you make it back to the games every year. So like, I, you know, I always took, I, I tried to never take it for granted when I made it back another time. And that like, you know, immediately kind of required me to not think about the time before that. It's an elite group though. Like four times is elite. That's like, there's, there's not many that can say that like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's like the crazy part, you know, because like when it all started, I just had a dream of making the games once. Like that was like all I wanted to do, like from 2013 on when I qualified for regionals, I was like, oh, regionals was fun. Like, I wonder if, you know, the games would probably be even more fun. And, like then I started looking up to people in the sport and like getting a little bit more involved. And, you know, as the years kind of progressed, I was like, man, making the games would be really cool. And like, I think I can do it. Like genuinely, I think if I put in the work, like, you know, I can make it. And it just kind of, yeah, like one turned into two and 
three, and yeah, now we're on four. <laughs> like before, you did CrossFit. You played hockey. Yep, ice hockey, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, why? Like, how did you end up starting CrossFit, and then why give up hockey and focus on CrossFit? Yeah, so I mean, I think I mean it, it's hard to do something you love at a high, or something you don't love at a high level. And for me, like I fell in love with hockey when I was really young, and it was like the only sport I played year round from the time I was, I mean, probably ten, 10 years old, eleven years old on. Like I never, I stopped playing all other sports. I would play mm-hmm. some version of hockey twelve months a year, and for a while I loved it, and it was like it was great. Like you know, I had a serious passion for it, and then. My senior year of high school, I had gone away to prep school and I was playing like at junior level and trying to like figure out what I wanted to do next. Did I want to try and play like D1, you know, college or did I want to try and pursue hockey professionally at some level? And I just kind of when that whole process started to kind of come together and the decision time came to be made, I just didn't love it anymore. You know, like I, I didn't the the time at the rink kind of felt like a labor and I didn't really want to train, you know, for hockey specifically and stop like, being a hobby like. Yeah, like you know when when I lost the love for it, it just kind of like I was like, well, why would I do something I don't love? And yeah. you know, like it just kind of like I still love hockey now, but it's like, you know, I needed that step away from it and mm. you know, I sadly I needed it at a time when it was the deciding factor of kind of my athletic trajectory, like, you know, yeah. I like, do I take this to the next level? is it a full-time gig or, you know, what's going on? So I stepped back from it. And basically right after I stepped back, I went to college, focused on academics for my first year or two, and just decided that I wanted to like actually apply myself in school for the first time. So did that. And then my junior year of college um, at university, I met a friend and I was playing recreational hockey at the time, just like club, nothing crazy. And, um, you know, he basically was like, you should come work out with me one day. And we went to the gym together and he had done CrossFit for a couple of years. So he introduced me to my first like CrossFit style workout and I did it and I was like, Oh, that was a lot of fun. Like we should do that more. And then we just kind of started doing it more and more. And, um, you know, again, hockey was just kind of for fun at that point. So CrossFit became the new outlet when I was in grad school and just kind of my love for it grew. And like, okay. A lot of people, would start CrossFit and look at, you know, then regionals or now sanctionals or the games and be like, oh, it'd be cool to be there. But like, not, not many people do it. Like, yeah. do you think it was like natural athleticism and like you're a history of playing sport that, and like, you know, I suppose genes and then your application to it because you really enjoyed it that got you there? Or do you think it was just like, just really hard, consistent work? Um, I mean, a little bit of both. I don't think I was... Pre- I don't think I was ever particularly good at anything naturally. Like it does, you know, from an athletic standpoint, like I always had to work really hard. I was always like a bigger kid playing hockey. So I was trying to, you know, I, when I had to lose weight when I was in high school to get to a more competitive size to play, if I wanted to play competitively. And, um, you know, I have like, don't get me wrong. I have great genetics. Like I have division one level and professional athletes in both sides of my family going back like three generations. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's like, I have a very athletic family. Um, but I guess, yeah, I never considered myself particularly naturally gifted. Um, so I think, you know, there are definitely some genetics and some athleticism there for sure. Um, but I think it was more just like the the mindset that I always had is like I was 
always kind of an all in or all out person. Like I was either obsessed or I was not even remotely interested. Mm. And so like, as I kind of found CrossFit, I started to become obsessed with it. And like that kind of obsession led to me wanting to be better and better at it. And like, you know, just again, cause I didn't want to do something that I wouldn't be, you know, that I wouldn't be great at, or I wouldn't excel at. So I started to pour myself into that, you know, more and more of my energy and, I, when I started CrossFit, I didn't want, I had no aspirations to make the games or anything like that. Like I started CrossFit purely just to work out and have fun and like, you know, spend some time with a buddy of mine and just have something to do when we were in school to stay fit, you know? So I, I didn't start it with competitive aspirations that kind of grew out of my obsession to be, to try and be good at it. And like, once I found out there was an avenue to like, you know, show that you were maybe good at it. I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Are you still friends with the guy that got you into CrossFit? Oh yeah, he's a he's my business partner, my affiliate. Um, you know, we talk. Yeah, I mean, we talk basically every day. Um, we, he doesn't live in town anymore, but I mean, yeah, we're still very close friends. Good, like mm. you know, good business partners, and you know, we own two gyms together now. So I mean, it's yeah. So he's very much still a part of my life and part of our. I was, I was I was picturing like some guy in a bar going, "I knew that guy." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, shut up!" Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, he's uh, he's still very active. You know, kind of in my life and in our affiliate and um, you know our community. So. It's good. Yeah. Um, so, like, you say that you didn't have any aspirations of, you know, like that. I suppose you you found out there was a way to prove yourself. I suppose to prove to other people and to prove to yourself that you're good at it. But <clears throat> was there a moment where you were like, "Fuck yeah, I'm I'm good at this shit"? Like, do you know, was there? Do you remember a workout in the gym, or do you remember like a competition that you did, or do you remember a moment where you were like, "Yeah, I got this." Uh, there were a couple of moments where I thought I was shit at it. Um, like <laughs> there was more of those, man. <laughs> yeah. Some more than others. There was definitely a lot more of those when I first started. Like my first regionals, I, I DNF'd on the first event. So I mean, like that was definitely a, that was not a warm welcome to the sport of CrossFit. Um, okay. But you know, so I think there was like there was definitely a lot of rough moments like that. Um, and I think the the year that I realized that okay, like you know, I might be. I might be able to actually do this was, I think it was regionals 20, I think it was 2014 was the first super regional. That was when they combined everything. Um, and it moved to, I think it was Hartford, Connecticut that year. And so our, our Northeast regional, which was a very strong regional at the time, like Dan Tominski, Austin Maliolo, Matt Frazier was kind of coming up on the scene, Spencer Hendel. And then from Canada East, like, Albert, Dominique LaRouche, Paul Tremblay, like it was like, it was just a massively stacked regional. And when it went to the super regional format, I was just super excited to make regionals. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like I'm going to get to compete against a bunch of these perennial games athletes and guys that I've looked up to forever in this, you know, or forever. I mean, for two years, like whatever forever was at that point. Um, you know, but all these guys that I've looked up to in the sport and that year I finished in the top 10 at the super regional. And that was kind of like, I guess the moment for me where I was like, huh, okay. Like, you know, I, like I, I'm pretty good at this. And like, if I keep up this trajectory and I keep working hard, like who knows what might happen. So I think that was the, that was the year where it kind of settled in that, okay, maybe like, maybe there's something here. Um, you know, just after the weekend as a whole, I had some ups and downs, but like just being in the top heat for the final day and top heat most of the weekend, like it was just a, it was an affirming experience that like, Oh, like there's some potential here. Mm, that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, so like 
you've been very vocal in your um your mourning of regionals. Um but I know like say you were over here recently for Filthy. Um and like you've spoken very highly of it and you like visibly enjoyed it at the time. So like but I suppose first a couple of people were asking like what workout you found the most challenging during Filthy mm-hmm. and then what workout you found the most enjoyable. But I have a feeling with you that the answer to that question might be the same thing. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously like, I mean, Filthy, I mean, on the whole, the competition was run really well. Like I enjoyed a lot of the events and not, I mean, obviously it's easy to enjoy the events that you do well in, um, you know, but I think the two events that were the most, I guess the most fun to me were probably the sandbag clean chipper style yeah. event, um, mostly because it was like it was an a, like a, a pure test in pacing and kind of grunt willpower. Mm. Uh, so like, and the fact that like you know I kind of had Roman in out of the corner of my eye and like you know I was kind of keeping track of him and like that little like that kind of back and forth and that little race that I was having with him in my mind and on the floor was like you know, that was a very cool experience and kind of something cool to be a part of. And then also the final event, which for the exact same reasons actually was like, you know, it was like a a kind of sprint chipper with the, all the wall balls and the heavy cleaning jerks. And same thing. It was just like, it was like that foot race to the finish. Like those events always stick out because like it just, that, that raw competitive spirit comes out where like, you know, you're breathing heavy, you're kind of dying a little, but you look down the lane and you're like, oh shit, so close. Like this is like, I can get this. So like that, those kind of moments like definitely stuck out in my head. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the first event I really enjoyed because it couldn't have been better for me. So like the ski handstand walk event, like I saw it come out and I was like, ah, shit, I need to try and win that. So like when it, when I stepped onto the floor, like, you know, it was just a nice moment of clarity where it's like, all right, like no one else matters. Like, I'm just going to send this shit as hard as I possibly can. And if I die, I die. And that's fine because, you know, it doesn't really like I'd rather I'd rather try and win this event and go too hard and bomb and you know come in fifth or eighth or whatever yeah. than hold back and not get like you know not notch an event win because I didn't risk it so you know what I, was, I came what, out. Was, what was the ski or was it distance or calories yeah, it was a thousand meter ski for time and at zero two four and six you had to do a like a sixty foot hand like a twenty meter handstand mm-hmm. walk I think it was um, I, I remember the day after. <laughs> Or maybe it was the Monday we were in the gym and uh, after strength we had to do a thousand meter ski yeah. and I did it and then I like fucking sent it and yes. then walked off the skier and like once I caught my breath Joe was like how'd you do that and I was like <laughs> I was like Tim Paulson only bet me by a minute on his uh, thousand meter ski and he was like what and I was like yeah I mean he did a shit ton of hands I walked in the middle of it but he only bet me by a minute. <laughs> No, that was like that was definitely like yeah. I, I, I've always loved being on my hands. So like that's that was know, cool to I, watch I, that event. I remember when actually like the snatch one. Like oh, I yeah. I put up my story at the time, but it was like you snatched, and it was like ridiculous. It was just <laughs> like your face was pure elation. And oh. then, but the thing I admired the most was like when you missed the the final snatch, like the 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 last weight. 
your attitude after is just so admirable. Like I was just like before that I've been like, you know, I really like Tim Posey, he's a really cool guy. Like, you know, I met him, he's even cooler than I thought it'd be. And then when I saw that I was like, Man, I fucking love him because it was just so <laughs> like, you know, fuck it, this is great crack. Like I nearly had it. You know, it's there, it's in the yeah. tank someday. Like, you know, it's just such a there was no like you didn't like your head never dropped, you know, it was just like, oh fuck and you just carried on. Like it was cool. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, it's like that's you know, like Max lifting in front of a crowd, like there's nothing better. Yeah. Like, you know, like every athlete loves a heavy lift in front of a crowd because the adrenaline, like, you, like you can do superhuman shit in front of a crowd of people. And like, that's, that's always a really cool, you know, thing to get to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, like, I don't know, like I, I've, I've kind of figured out over the years that I'm, I'm the best me and the best competitor when I'm like, when I'm not putting too many expectations on myself and like, you know, I'm just kind of you know, taking it seriously. And I'm, you know, I'm obviously very focused, but just not beating the shit out of myself and like with expectations, whether internal or external, like not letting them kind of outweigh the fact that like, I love this and this is fun. And that's like, you know, that's gotta be a big part of it because like, I mean, like kind of like mentioned a little bit earlier, like if you don't love it, you're not going to do it. So like, you know, remember why you love it and like enjoy that. (laughs) Like I literally only found that maybe six months ago like up until then I was beating the shit out of myself like if I did 20 double unders and missed 21 I'm like you stupid fucking prick you know like <laughs> wasting like five minutes giving out to myself rather than just yeah. going again so I like I, I empathize with that because I only recently found the ability to be like cool you got 20 let's do 20 more do you know that kind of way like it's yeah yeah it's, it's tough to get there but when you get there it feels good like um then I suppose like from looking at sanctions, like from looking at strength and depth at the weekend, from looking at filthy, like one thing I've noticed is that it's on the face of it anyway, it seems to afford you guys, um, like a, competitors like you, more opportunity for, I suppose, a lot of stuff. Like you get to travel a bit more, I suppose, like an excuse to travel. You might be invited to compete somewhere, so you get, you might get some of your travel covered or whatever. So, you know, if you, weren't able to go you might be able to go you get maybe the opportunity to do seminars you get like maybe more sponsorship opportunities and like i suppose a chance to make like an extra bit of living from the sport that maybe wouldn't have been there as readily available with uh regionals would you agree with that or yeah i mean there's definitely like i think that's a that's a cool and important part of this new system and you know the the kind of like i guess the juxtaposition to that is that it's if you're a little bit more established as an athlete, you do have a lot more opportunities because if you have maybe the sponsors, the funding, you know, like you, you have the capability to make that upfront investment to travel, then, you know, you definitely do. And like, you know, for me, like being able to run seminars when I go places or again, like, you know, having some sponsors who help cover things like, you know, things like that. It definitely like, you know, it kind of like, I guess kind of like the saying, it takes money to make money like that, Mm -hmm. that kind of applies, I think, to this new sanctional system. Whereas if you're maybe an up and coming athlete, they might not feel that way because the likelihood of them maybe getting on the podium or getting into a position to either win some money, uh, nevertheless, being able to impose their personal brand outside of the competition to potentially make money, like they won't have those opportunities. So I think it's like, you know, it's, there are upsides and downsides to it, but for me personally, you know, again, because of where I am and the, the, you know, kind of life and the brand that I've been able to build for myself, I definitely think there are a lot of upsides to it. Uh, there's a lot of fine tuning left to do, but there's definitely, there's a lot of potential there. Big dog Z first. That's the, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm literally a big dog. So <laughs> uh, from, from like from the outside looking in, like, 
we would talk about the young, like the up and coming athletes or maybe lesser known people. Like, I suppose, like speaking totally personally, from the outside looking in, there's a dominance there of like, say, T on the women's side, Matt on the men's side, Mayhem on the team side. Like, there's almost, I suppose, a sense of inevitability, like when they step on the floor. Like, I know Sean and uh, Tommy were talking about in their podcast after Strength and Death saying like you know when Matt Fraser walks on the floor he's got that advantage of like other people are like oh shit like you know yeah. most anyway so oh, yeah. I suppose maybe the sanctions might give more of a chance for victory or reward or like you said with reason as a chance to like prove yourself to people who I mean if they go to the games might not feature or might not be I suppose relevant on the larger stand on the larger stage whereas if they go to you know the madrid crossfit championships with you know where there isn't maybe you know one or two big names but not like the 40 or whatever that will inevitably be at the games it, there's a bit more of a chance of like you know oh shit i've got my moment like you know and then you know a bit of confidence a bit of recognition and stuff like that oh for sure i mean that's like you know and it's there's definitely like and again the good or bad like good or bad there's a lot of opportunities to compete at sanctionals now which means that not every field is going to be stacked. Yeah. You know, and like, so there's definitely, there's an opportunity if you, if you pick and choose your sanctionals correctly, like you can, you can avoid the big names if that's your goal, you know, and like, especially when you have multiple sanctionals on a weekend or you have, you know, like four or five sanctionals in a two week period, mm. there's a high likelihood that the sanctional with more prize money, with more notoriety, with more opportunities for exposure, brand building, all that, like that's going to attract a lot of the bigger names. So if your goal is to maybe like, you know, try and qualify via, a, you know, not an easier route, like no route's easy, but like, you know, if you're trying to avoid some of those big names, like, and, you know, maybe take center stage, like you can do that. Yeah. Sure. I can think of like Brent with the Asia games last year you know it was yeah. like i remember looking at that going like what is he going there for and then i was like oh wait a minute that's genius like you know it's gonna oh, be yeah. yeah like not easy but easier i suppose like he's given exactly. himself a, a fighting chance before he steps on the field like yeah and i mean like again kind of like going back to you know like brent's a very well-known name in the sport he's super fit he's very consistent so like you know if he plants his flag in asia like most guys who like you know a lot of guys may not go because they like oh well what are the odds i can beat brent you know, so like, like that, it kind of has that advantage as well. Like when you make your claim early like that, you know, if someone's going there with the aims to qualify for the games or something like that, you know, they may or may not make that decision based yeah. off who's going. Yeah, if it's far, I suppose as well. Be yeah, exactly. yeah, especially if it's an expensive trip, it's far away. Like, you know, there's a lot of hassle involved. So, yeah, um, I suppose like when we're, when we're on the topics of like, the games and reasons and stuff will keep going so like last year was rough for a lot of people at the games with the cuts and the the types of workouts and that kind of stuff like i was looking enough to be there with my wife and you were someone that we had both followed actually genuinely because of echo <laughs> so <laughs> all it was like, that makes sense <laughs> yeah all it was like oh you need to follow this guy like uh Treks, Treks, I don't know, Treks, I don't know who he is, and I was like, why do I need to follow him if you don't even know who he is, she's like, oh, his dog, like, his dog is just so cool, it's like some kind of Australian sheepdog, and I was like, oh, okay, and then, like, you know, you look at the dog, you're like, oh, it is a cool dog, and you're like, oh, he's actually, he's pretty good at CrossFit, and then you kind of just get, I, I accidentally, I got sucked into this vortex just from Echo, yeah. but, um, hey, like, we, 
Yeah. So we had followed you and like we kind of enjoyed following you and we liked you. So you were someone that we were kind of keeping an eye out on because like we're kind of we're relatively new to the sport. Like, you know, I've only been doing it like maybe two years. So I would have known a lot. I wouldn't know the obvious names, but like the lesser known names, I wouldn't have. And um, I was kind of naturally focused on you. And, I, you know, like I, I like I really like Brent just because he's funny. Like, and you know, I kind of enjoy following him and stuff. Um, well, he's a good athlete as well. Not, he's not just funny. But um, there's a, there was you and a couple of others, and I remember the rope climbs. Like I remember being like, man, this, like Tim's going to do really well at the games. Can't wait. Got there, stand in the stands, and I just remember this like really bad sense of foreboding. And like I remember, Orla and I looked at each other, and we were like, oh man, he's in trouble. Like and like, oh, yeah. like even like what goes through your head when you when you just can't like what happens like so obviously like it's tough physically because you're like trying to do something over and over again you've got the fucking crash pads under your feet so you're at a sank jump like it's a it's like a deficit jump or whatever you've got no ground to lift off like are you so you talked there about like the enjoyment and like you know not beating yourself up and just taking stuff for what it is you surely you struggled with that there Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like, you know, that I mean, was it's, one of the lowest points. Oh, I mean, with, without a doubt, one of the one of the saddest, like, you know, I mean, just like because there's like it happened so fast. So, you know, like like in the event, like in the moment, like, I guess I'll just kind of run through like what was going yeah. through my head, like during the events. I mean, like, you know, three, two, one, go. Once I got onto the field and I saw the rope climb situation. I definitely had a moment of like, okay, game plan needs to adjust because like once I saw how tall they were and I saw that we were going off of the crash pads and like the crash pads, yeah, like when you went to jump, they would drop. So like the rope got longer and I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, shit, like these, these rope climbs are, even though they may be actually about 16 feet, you know, they're going to feel closer to 17, 17 and a half. And I was like, all right, that changes the ball game for me because again, rope climbs aren't a great strong suit as it is. So like I had made all these mental adjustments knowing that. So like when the event started, I was in a good headspace. I was like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to take these rope climbs slow. I can't get, you know, caught up in the early, the early round flurry of like trying to go too fast. Like you usually runs first, wasn't it? Say it. You had to do a run first. Yeah, it was run, rope climb, and then snatch. So when you were running, were you just thinking about running, or were you like, okay, when you get back to the rope, you know, were you were you mentally preparing for the rope then, or was this? Oh yeah, like I was. Yeah, I was running, and I was like, all right, full control, easy pace. Like the run means nothing. Hmm. Like you know, like if you like if you fail or slow down on the rope climb, the run means shit. Like you know, the whole or even if you miss a snatch, that's ten seconds. You know, it's like. You're like the only place you could lose dramatic ground was the rope climb. So like I knew that they all had to count and like that was all I could focus on. The other two movements just became about recovering for the rope climbs. So, you know, I went out for my run, did my first three rope climbs, and I was like, you know, again, super casual. Like I would climb, come down, and in my head I was like, all right, like, you know, countdown from like 15 seconds. Like give yourself a nice long rest. Don't rush this at all. And I did that for the first three climbs and I was like, all right, those felt pretty good. Like I, I like where this is going. Did my snatches, went back out for a run. I was in the I was way towards the back of my heat. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I don't care. Like this workout's not gonna be one in the first round. 
and I have to play my game because this workout's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough. So I went out for my second round, same thing, came back in, rope climbs, got a little slower, but I was still feeling relatively confident, so life was good. Um, snatched again, went out for my last run, and I was actually making up a little bit of ground on the, the heat. And I was like, all right, like, you know, my plan's paying off. Like, I feel really good, and we're in the third round now. So went out for my third run, and I got back to the rope, and I did my first rope climb. It was hard, and I was like, all right, that was harder than I would have liked. That's not really great news. So I took a longer rest than I did for the one before. And then on my second rope climb, I started to get a little tough towards the top, and I actually got a no rep on my second rope climb because they said I didn't touch the beam, which we can argue all day, but at the end of the day, you know, judge wins. And yeah. so I came down, and I was like, all right, fuck. That, that, that's very bad. Like, this is that that is not so you, you did you feel like okay i've got one more in the tank and then when it was a no rep it was like uh oh you're like oh shit yeah it, like exactly i was like i knew i didn't have spare rope climbs so i was like all right and so i got the no rep on the second one and i was like all right long break because now i've got two more like i have to do four rope climbs to set so like right. i you know i took a piece of chalk and i walked down the lane and i was like all right like i'm gonna give myself a nice 45 second break here like make sure that I at least don't miss another rope climb because that's the worst thing I could do for myself right now. But I was like, at that point, I was still convinced that I could get the work done and I could get into the last round and like, you know, I like I could, I could stay competitive. Mm. Um, so I took a long break. I walked back over and on my third quote unquote rope climb, what would have been my second, uh, I got like three quarters of the way up and like, some like just something failed like like i like i just had this moment of like fuck i can't climb and i had to drop down from like you know whatever 16 feet in the air fell to the crash pad and at that point i was like fuck like mm -hmm. i'm in i'm in royal trouble like this mm -hmm. this is not this is not good um so, you know, I rested like a full, like it had to have been like a minute, minute and a half. Like I took a long recovery. I was able to get another rope climb and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we can still make this work. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing way too many rope climbs, but like, maybe I can at least get, you know, get back in the game or whatever. And I think I had like, I want to say like five minutes left to get my last rope climbs. What would have been my fourth, you know, climb for the round. And it just, I just kept failing, you know, like I, I went to try Like, again, I took a really long rest because I knew that I was pushing the very limits of what I could do. And, you know, I took like a minute or so off and went at it again and got most of the way up. And I forget if I got no rep or like, if I, I forget exactly what happened because at that point, like time slowed to a screeching halt. And like, I kind of like, you know, just got very like upset. Mm. <laughs> so like I missed that, that rope climb. And at that point I kind of like, there was definitely the sinking realization that like, fuck, like I'm, I'm sitting on this like field and my hopes and dreams for this year are, are maybe coming crashing down around me. Mm. And like, that was like, I had like four minutes left and it definitely like it had fully hit me that I was in trouble, but like, I was, I mean, I was trying my best. Like in the moment I was like, all right, look, like, again, like 
I, I tried to fall back on my mantra of like, all right, what can you change to, to do this better? Like right now, like what, what can I do to get this last rope climb and get into this next fucking round? Like what's, you know, and I was like, look, all you can do is not be a rookie and try and jump right back up the rope. Like, so I walked away for like two minutes and chalked up and like shook out my arm, like tried everything I could. And I went back to the rope like two minutes later and failed again. And at that point, no amount of mental fortitude was going to get me up the rope. And like, I definitely like, that was when it all came crashing down. And I was like, fuck, I'm pretty sure I kicked over a sign and kicked my chalk bucket. Like it was, you know, like, it, cause at that point it's just, you're like, you know, all, like all the defeats kind of like that I had been staving off for the last couple of minutes. Like it all came crashing in. Yeah. It was like, you know, like you, you just realize that you're standing on the floor and like you are literally watching a full year's worth of work fall apart in front of you in a matter of minutes. And like that realization of like knowing that my wife was in the stands and just like, you know, like just like the fact that I was disappointing myself and like I was disappointing my coach, like I was disappointing everybody in my close circle. Like it all just kind of came crashing down to like what the fuck just happened. And, you know, like that, like I tried to go up the rope again, but like, frankly, at that point, muscularly, I was dead mentally. I was like, you know, I, I had realized what was happening and it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just fucked. And like, I, I mean, yeah, there, like there's no way to describe the amount of just like raw, bitter disappointment that I felt for, you know, feeling like I, like this like feeling like I failed my, t like I failed the test, you know, like, like say that you, you, you like the, the, the feeling of failing or, you know, that you failed or whatever, but like that, like how long does it take? Cause I, I assume, you know, now, like you can see that it's irrational to think that you let your wife down or it's irrational to think that you, yes. let, you know, your coach down or whatever, but like, how long does it take that to wear off? I mean, like, was there ever a point where you were like, fuck this, I'm throwing in the towel as in like, not that day as in for sport oh no that that never happened okay. like i mean i i was i mean i was just i was just i mean for the rest of the day and for the next few days i was just livid at myself you know like because you in the moment obviously it like it's hard to step back and be like you know like in the moment you want to absorb the feelings like yeah. like you need to you need to experience this moment to its fullest because like good bad or indifferent like you need to feel things and yeah. like you know so i was like all right like i have to embrace this feeling of failure because whatever it is it's a part of me now you know like like i have to i have to feel failure because that's what i did like you know i like i i failed myself and like at the end of the day like I never questioned whether I wanted to come back to the games or keep competing. Like that was never a question in my mind, but there was like, I mean, just like the, yeah, I mean the, the resounding feeling of just let, like just let down and disappointment in myself was like, you know, I mean, it was like, it was crushing. Like I, you know, I'm like, it's my, both my parents were there to watch the games. My wife's parents were there. Like my sister was flying in on Saturday, you know? So it's like, and I fucking bomb out the first day. And, you know, I'm like, what the, like, like, even though I was only mad at myself, it also like the people that I love the most were there and like, they wanted to support me, but realistically 
supporting someone when they want nothing to fucking do with any, like, you know, it's like, no, like I failed so badly on such a huge stage in such a critical moment for me personally. Like I, I just like, you know, like I was like, I don't like nothing against you guys. I just don't want to be near you. Yeah. You know, like, like I love you guys more than anybody else in the world. And like, I know that you just want to support me and make me feel better, but like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like I just, I honestly, like, you know, I, I really just wanted to be like, no, like, I just want to be alone with my failure. Like, like this is, this is devastating and I just need to absorb it, you know? And like, so my, on Friday morning, my wife and I, I was like, Hey, you want to rent a car and drive home? And Madison's like a 12 hour drive from my house. And we like, we we're like, yeah. And like I told my family, I was like, Hey, I love you guys. But like, I can't stay here. You know, like, like I, I can't stay here the whole weekend. Like I feel horrible right now. You know, like, and I, I'm an introvert and I'm like the way that I'm going to deal with this and process this and like move on from this is to spend time by myself with, you know, with just my wife, because like, you know, she obviously yeah. gets me to the fullest extent. Like, so like, I was like, look, I love you guys, but I got to go. And they were, you know, they were completely, they were totally understanding. Obviously they were bummed like yeah. for many reasons, but you know, like they understood that like, this is how I have to process this. So like my wife and I rented a car and I was like, all right let's drive the prettiest way home possible. And like, we took back roads and we stopped at breweries, you know, like we just like, we took two or three days and I was like, like, it was like the quintessential, like drive with no direction. Like as long as I'm driving East towards my house, that's all that really matters. And like, that was, I was like, that was how I'm going to cope. And, you know, I mean, we drank a lot over the next three days and like, just kind of, you know, I spent a lot of time rambling and like my wife just kind of letting me talk at the universe, just like mm. whether I was pissed or like I was pissed at every, like I was pissed at the games. I was pissed at myself. Like, you know, like I went through the whole slur of emotions of just being angry at everybody. And, you know, like, at the, but at the end of the day, by the time that we got back to Ithaca, New York, I was like, I felt like I had vented and I had like, I had fully absorbed what happened. And like, by the time we got home, I was like, all right, next year, let's fucking go. You know, like, like I, I had fully, I had, I like, you know, the experience you purged yourself of the, the experience. Yeah. I, I had cleansed the demons, you know, yeah. like, like by the time You've we got gone through all, your stages of grief, exactly over the course yeah. of three or four days. And like, you know, by then I was like, all right, like I'm going to do like back to the drawing board. Like, obviously there was a glaring hole that I was not able to, you know, perform on. And like, and is that like, do you think you were lucky then that you had, <clears throat> you followed the Zeus, Boulder program because again from the little I know about you I imagine if you had gone back to Palace and programmed for yourself you probably would have done like eight straight days of rope climbs oh yeah and I mean the first day back in training you can bet your ass I, climbed, I went I did legless rope climbs like you know my, my coach and I have a running joke like every season and every cycle starts with like it's basically like a penance day like the, the whole day is just everything that I suck at to like humble me and kind of set the tone for like the next training block um but no I mean my my coach and I have a great relationship and like obviously you know we we talked it through at length and you know he has you know we've been together for almost six years now mm. like five five years now and you know like he's been like a great friend and a great coach the entire time. So like, you know, we had a real come to Jesus moment of like, all right, what do we have to do? Because that was fucked. Like, mm. you know, like we, we got to do something different and much better because that was inexcusable. And, you know, like there were some factors that go into it that like, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't a lack of preparation 
in its truest sense. Like there were a lot of factors that went into it, but we can always be better prepared. And obviously like we needed to spend a lot more time hammering like just raw grip strength and pulling power. And that's what we've done for the last five months now, four months now. So, yeah. I uh, remember looking up that you follow Zeus Boulder program or whatever. And I was like, that is the fucking coolest name I have ever heard. Because I thought it was his name. And I was like, holy shit. That's <laughs> like, he was all, he was going to be like a model or something. He was going to be something cool. And then I, I was oh, yeah. so fucking disappointed when I saw his yeah. name. No, he's like, he got the nickname. Like, he's, so Dave's a great athlete in his own right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was, he barely missed the games as an individual back in like 2013, 2012, 2013. He went to the games on a team a couple times. Like, he's super fit. And, like there was just a running joke that he had like boulder shoulders because he had, he has the strict pressing strength of like a Greek god, yeah. and that was kind of how like Zeus bold like Zeus Boulder kind of came around because like he had the pressing strength from the shoulders of a of fucking Zeus. So yeah. <laughs> speaking of teams, there like you did Wadapalooza last year mm-hmm. on their team on the the Forged <laughs> by Zeus team. Yeah. Um, how did you find that compared to as an individual? Like, obviously, I suppose you were doing it. It was a, a bit more like for the crack that you were doing it. Like, obviously, you were taking it okay. seriously, but there wasn't as much uh, pressure on it. Like, did you find it like really different or like not being on your own? Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, again, I played hockey all my life. So team sports were always kind of like they were ingrained in me as a kid, you know, like so even though I'm an introvert and this whole individual competition thing like fits me pretty well. Um, you know, I love team sports and like, especially like <clears throat> with the, with the right people, I think doing a cross like CrossFit on a team, like I could definitely see myself doing that in the future. Mm. You know, like if, if I could find a squad of people that I really enjoyed being around and were like a great, you know, formula for a team, I could definitely, you know, in the next couple of years, like I could see myself trying to do a team competition, like in serious, like not in, not for fun. Like I'm doing Wadapalooza in a couple of weeks on a team, uh, you know, just to have some fun and try and go win some money. Like, you know, we're just, we're just going to go have a, have a shot at it. Um, but like, I could see myself in the future doing team, like, you know, seriously. Were you surprised when Scott Panchik, uh joined Mayhem? I mean, yes and no. Like there's, I, I mean, mean, he's a perennial top tenor. Like it's not oh, as yeah. if he was like slipping down the rankings. Uh, you know, he's like at his peak. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I was a little surprised because like for me personally, you know, knowing that I'm in peak individual shape, it would be really hard for me to step away and do a team like, and like kind of take away mm-hmm. from that. Like, you know, and like, I, I guess legacy is not the right word, but you know, like I, like individual competitions always been where my heart's at and where my head was at. And like, you know, I, I feel like for me anyway, there's still a lot left to prove. Yeah. Unfinished business. Like, yeah. And I mean, I can imagine he felt largely the same way because like, you know, he never got on the podium and like that, I'm sure that's frustrating, but like at the same time, he's had a lot of success, you know, and probably like, have like, podium now anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like, and I feel like, you know, he's coming to the top 10 a bunch. Like he's, you know, I feel like he's accomplished enough quote unquote, like, you know, Mm. whatever that may mean for some Mm. people, but like, you know, like being in his position, I could see where you might be like, all right, like I'm going to take a year to do team and like, just kind of take a break from it with the intent of getting back at it. Whereas like, you know, for me, I guess I don't feel like I've had, I haven't had the, the, the success on the, the games level stage that I, 
think I'm capable of yet. So like I could never step away and do team like, you know, seriously right now. Yeah. Um, Can Porter was on your team for a while. He was was supposed to be, he ended up having a, he ended up having to back out because of an injury. So Paul Tremblay was on the team and he's a monster of a human being. So that was fun. And he's a good dude. He's a buddy of mine. So that's always fun. Uh, Can put up a thing there. Yes. About um, (laughs) the, uh, the, Right, I'm going to preface this by just saying the word allegedly, really loudly and really clearly, so that anything that's said after this, it's all alleged, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, the Greek national champion, well, you know, decrowned national champion or whatever, yeah. tested positive for banned substances, and he's appealing it. So, I mean, like, shock horror. Um, yeah. But, like, this is the dude who couldn't measure his fucking arm, and his mates somehow couldn't figure out that half of 36 wasn't 16 yeah. so like i'm assuming that one of the side effects of the banned substance that was being taken is that your friends can't do maths anymore <laughs> but like how do you like do you struggle with that so he, he like can's post just finally didn't see it was basically saying like you know fuck this like now we're gonna have to listen to more of that bullshit that we always have to listen to of people who can't do what we can do saying well you can only do it because you're taking whatever or you're juicing or you're on trend or whatever like that his point was like we're not and now we have to listen to this because a few individuals every year are getting pulled up and they're fucking it for the rest of us because now we have to listen to a full year of this shit again and then you know like as someone in the sport are you just kind of like, yeah, fuck that noise, I don't care, like, you know, he's an idiot, whatever he, allegedly, whatever he did, like, yeah. fuck him, or does, like, can you compartmentalize it like that, or do you ever struggle with when you see stuff like that happening? Um, I mean, like, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, like, and so did Khan, like, I, I actually reposted Khan's post because, like, I couldn't agree more, like, it's, you know, it's, it is really frustrating, because, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, there are so many of us who are putting in the work on like, so like if, if people could only understand the amount of mental and physical energy that have been poured into like the last seven years of my life to get to where I am, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I get rightfully angry when you question that because like, like it, to me, it feels like you're questioning the character, like our character as humans. And like, yeah. there's always going to be people who cheat, but like, and, you know, but, like, that's that's a character flaw, in my opinion. Like, you know, like, that's, like, there are some people who would never cheat on principle. And, like, you know, like, like the moral code that I live by, like, that's the way that I run our affiliate, the way that I coach, the way that I, you know, try and be a husband, the, like, just the way that I am as an athlete. Like, there's no room for cheating in shortcuts. And, like, the fact that, like, you know, other people do that, is it really, really frustrating? Like, yeah, but that's their character flaw, not mine. So, like, I can't. I try not to let myself get caught up in it because, you know, it's at the end of the day, like, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not, it doesn't affect me. Like it's, it, it may affect other people's opinion of me, but the people that I, the people that are in my circle and the people that I know and the people that actually, whose opinions I actually care about, like they know the work that I've put in and like, you know, they would never be the ones to question it. And like that at the end of the day is what matters most to me. Like, you know, internet trolls and haters, like that's, they're always going to question, you know, they're always looking for some reason to come out of the woodwork and, and call out people who are successful. And like, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what CrossFit games athletes are. Like, you know, we're successful in our sport and like, that's going to make people, some people mad and, you know, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, kind of screw them. Like that's, you know, 
but allegedly screw him. Well, yeah, allegedly screw him. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and that's yeah. I think yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on the whole thing. I mean, like at the end of the day, yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, Do you think like so? <clears throat> he that video of the the measurement for the arm for the handstand push up and like, yeah. I mean, there was just so much wrong with what like you know you were looking and it was like that's not the finger he why is she why is she taking over can the guy he has two hands like yeah. and it was like i remember uh arm and hammer put it up and it was just like it's just laughable what was going on oh yeah so like i remember the time thinking like well he's fucked for that workout anyway there's his, there goes his he's gonna plummet now in the leaderboard and not that nothing happened but like as good as nothing happened basically nothing yeah, yeah. so do you think that there's a possibility that that was let go because something bigger was coming down the line and it was like, well, we can make a real example here if what uh, we think is true is true? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know... It seemed, just seemed bizarre to let that slide, like... Oh, I couldn't agree. Like, I, I, I understand 0% why that was a minor penalty. Like, mm. that video makes no sense to me. Literally like, no reps should have counted there. Yeah, like, like and the yeah. penalty that was levied, I think, was very, very poorly executed. Like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense to me. Like, I, you know, that I, like, I'm at a loss for words as to how bad that was. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think that there was, like, I think that was just a horrific decision on the part of the video review team, you know? Yeah. Like, and they have their reasons for why they did it the way they did, and, like, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, it's out of my control. So probably I, just someone stuck by a rule that was made, and they could they, their hands were tied. Probably like, yeah, I mean, like, and again, again, at the end of the day, I don't, I try not to worry about things I can't control, and like, you know, so like, I saw it happen, and I was like, wow, that seems real shady, and like, that was the last thought I gave it. Yeah. But like, you know, because at the end of the day, it, I can't affect it, and I can't let it affect me. Mm. Um, but it was definitely like, yeah, it was really weird. But I don't think there was anything like you know, nefarious going mm. on on the part of, of that because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no, like, I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, the guy left there was tested at the games last year. So, like, you know, he, and he was, cl- you know, he was clean then. So, like, you know, I don't think there's any, I don't think headquarters would have had any reason to necessarily suspect, um, you know, anything. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's, the rumor mill is obviously like, you know, there's, there's always rumors of so-and-so's on the, you know, someone's always willing to say some shit about somebody like, you know, whether it's, they progress to like whatever reason you want to give, like there's always rumors going around, but you know, you can't really give, give creed to unsubstantiated rumors. Like that's, you know, they're just that. Do you ever hear stuff like that in like, say the athlete village or athlete holding area? Or do you ever hear like, I mean, not, I mean, honestly, not really, because there, I mean, a lot of the, because like, and this may seem naive to some people, but like, I really genuinely believe that most of the guys at the top of the sport are clean yeah. and guys and girls, you know, like I'm speaking from the guys because obviously that's the only yeah. side of it I've experienced, but like, you know, I mean, like, and the, a lot of it comes from my personal belief that I'm like, look, I know for a fact that I got where I am and I've had the successes that I have fully legit. I yeah. just work my ass off. I live a, a lifestyle that is very conducive to competing at a high level and recovering and performing at a high level. And like, there are plenty of other guys out there who are doing the same, you know, like they dedicate their lives and they make sure that their entire livelihood revolves around being able to live a wholesome life that allows for high athletic performance. And like, mm-hmm. 
you know, if I can do it, why can't someone else do it and just do it a little bit better? Like that's, and that's really like at the games you're, you know, I won't say you're splitting hairs, but like everyone's super fit. Hmm. So it's like, you know, the fact marginal, that it's marginal like, differences like that make yeah, a big like, difference. Yeah. Largely, you know, like yeah. short, short of a couple genetic mutants like Matt Frazier, like he's, he's a, he's a once in my opinion, he's like a once in a lifetime style athlete. Like he is, he is genetically gifted. He works his ass off. He has a lifestyle that condones his hmm. you know, performance. Like, you know, it's like he is, we will likely never see another Matt Frazier-esque person in the sport of CrossFit. You know, it's like, like, he's like, he's a perfect storm of all the right things to be as good as he is. Like, other than him, a lot of the guys at the games, again, we're talking relatively minor differences, mm-hmm. you know, like relatively, obviously, you know, that's putting a, a big blanket over something that's much more complex, but like, yeah, I mean, most of the workouts that you look at, it's like two seconds tier or, you know, an extra half a pound or, you know, that's what makes oh, it yeah, 20 exactly. pounds on leaderboard or. Yeah, and, like, you know, a lot of that, like, that's where CrossFit becomes a lot more mental because, like, you know, the guys who are most successful, like, a lot of us are very physically fit, and it's, like, the guys who are the most mentally acute are the guys who are going to know or, you know, like, be able to pay attention to those seconds where they matter or those pounds or, you know, like, whatever the case may be, like, you know, mental acuity has as much to do with it as physical, you know, prowess when you get to the, like, the highest levels of the sport, at least to the games anyway. Yeah. Um, I had, like, a buttload of questions about uh, your training so most of them can kind of be boiled down to I suppose talking about the intensity of your training and the volume of your training so for an average Joel like me watching you train it's like how the fuck is he doing still training now like you know you read like you know you do those swipe videos so there'd be one video swipe the next workout the next workout and i'd be like oh that must be all one workout and then i'd scroll down and be like wait he did that and then he did that and then he did that and then he did just like lifting there you're on and i'm pretty sure i saw squatting this morning so like regards the volume of training that you do like is there a specific method that you used to build up to that a tolerance for that volume or is it literally just like the standard one percent model of just a little bit more a little bit more until you can handle it i mean yeah like i mean so my my coach dave and we obviously the steroids help (laughs) yes obviously um yeah but like my coach dave uh you know we have an endurance coach pedro as well who write like the two of them between the two of them they write my entire program Mm -hmm. and you know the great thing is i've been with dave for like i said over five years now so like my training today if I had tried to train today or the way that I do today, five years ago, I would have broken myself in half and died. Mm -hmm. But like the great thing is that, you know, when I started with Dave, he knew where, like he met me where I was as an athlete. And like, he gave me an amount of volume that was appropriate for where I was as a, you know, as an athlete and in the course of my CrossFit journey. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, like when I started training with Dave, it was basically like 90 minutes a day of just CrossFit stuff. Like we did, we would do one or two lifting components. We would do some skill work and we would do a workout. Like that was yeah. about it. You know, I'm like, like what I do now, which is like, you know, maybe 90 minutes of monostructural work followed by two or three strength pieces, one or two skill components and EMOM of this stuff. And then a workout, like, you know, that's been a very slow build over the course of five years. And like, mm. you're exactly right. It's like, it's a little more here or there. And like, you know, building up to being able to handle this amount of volume was a very slow process. Um, you know, I think there's days where you wake up and like, 
check your phone or check you know check your, check what's on the menu for the day from Zeus and just think oh fuck this I just want to roll over like is motivation oh, ever an issue like oh yeah I mean there are days where like I, I question whether or not my coaches are insane uh, <laughs> like you know like tomorrow I have a 90 minute run on the true form for distance oh for fuck's sake and I'm like why like <laughs> like my, my I texted my coach and I was like what like what what why what did i do what did i do to you <laughs> yeah you know and like and there are that like you know this morning i had to swim for basically 72 minutes straight and i was like what the fuck is like i'm not an endurance athlete what's happening but you know then they explained to me their approach their rationale the science like they're like all right like this is why like and like for me i'm a i'm a i'm an analytical person and like sometimes hearing that the science behind it and their reason like their reasoning that's enough to just be like oh yeah i'm in you know, like, like, you know, all that, all it takes is like a minute explanation. And I'm like, Oh, I see why. And then I go do it. I'll so tell you what, like, it would take some fucking amount of scientific <laughs> reasoning to get me in a shoe form for 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, most people, but you know, yeah. it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, like I, I have full faith and trust in them. And like, sometimes I, I never question them, but like, sometimes I like to know why, because mm. like sometimes things do look outlandish and like, it's never that I don't think I can do them. It's just that I would like to know why they Perfect, think I should yeah. do them. You know, and like, that's, you know, so like, that's been a lot of it. And I think one of the biggest secrets and like, you know, it's not a secret because I put all my programming online. So like, you can follow along with everything I do. Like, you know, people can, if you want to break yourself in half and die, like you would have five years. Exactly. But you know, it's like, you know, like nothing we're doing is secret. Like we we're more than happy to share it with people who are willing to put in the work and they're willing to, you know, progress. Like, you know, so like, a lot of my training volume is monostructural work because it's low impact. The intensity can be directly like measured, you know, like it's, it's a very scientific way to go about accumulating volume without killing yourself. So like for me, I don't do a lot of CrossFit and like that blows people's minds. Cause like, you know, I think there's this, the perception of the rich Froning era was like him doing nine workouts a day in the barn. And people think that's what makes a games athlete. And like, maybe for him that worked, but like for me, I would die. Mm -hmm. Like what we've figured out works is like, you know, I have a high focus on monostructural work and that's where a lot of my aerobic base building comes in. That's where the, a lot of the intensity work comes in and like the high exertion work. And then, you know, obviously we need to learn how to transfer those skills and that capacity to CrossFit because that's where it matters most. But like we often build that capacity outside of it. Hmm. And like, because we can like, I just don't think that it's a smart idea to do three high intensity CrossFit workouts a day because there's just too much impact and there's too much wear and tear, mm. you know, like, whereas again, like, you know, row, like high intensity row repeats, they hurt like hell. You get the same stimulus, but the next day you're largely fine. Mm. So like, you know, like, and that's been a large focus of our training is that kind of like progressive and very serious use of monostructural work. And that started like about two and a half years ago. That became a really big focus of where do we go from here? Because we were training before that, we were training for maybe two, two and a half hours a day of all this CrossFit stuff, multiple Metcons, and we were all kind of like, we're dying. Like yeah. we need, like what, what can we do that's smarter? And so like we decided like, you know, that's when the whole kind of monostructural work and this morning monostructural, you know, piece kind of was birthed and became a large part of our, you know, our training protocol. Um, yeah. There's so, a lot of science behind that, but like obviously CrossFit is like it's more or less a challenge to be proficient in multiple disciplines. Like that's mm -hmm. the the the, the <clears throat> suppose the foundation of the sport. Like so, maybe you've kind of answered this there that it's different for each individual. But like if you were to focus on one as an essential, 
for someone that's starting out or on or you know maybe early on in their journey or maybe someone that's just a bit lost like yeah. if you were to focus on one as an essential would you see that as like gymnastics would you see it as weightlifting would you see it as just work capacity or is it a case of like find whichever one you love the most and then let that bring you through it um i mean so i'd say for i mean for i guess two 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 answers to the question for a competitive athlete i mean strength is the longest developing like that's the longest to develop. So like if you're lacking in strength, whether that's raw gymnastic strength or whether that's raw strength on the barbell, that has to be addressed first and foremost, because it takes the longest to develop. And like, you need to give yourself that time to progress because yeah, that's, the only that's way... what I'm doing now is I'm yeah. just doing, I have, I think I've only missed like two strength sessions since October. Yeah. And like, that's, you Some know, because again, the only way to speed up that process is drugs to cheat. <laughs> Like, you know, otherwise, like, it just takes time and you have where, to. Where would I get the, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're, they're probably at an over-the-counter store in Ireland. I don't know. I don't know what your guys' rules are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so it's like, I think for your competitive athlete, that strength building has to be prioritized because it takes the longest. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas for your recreational athlete, like, if you're, if you're just someone who loves CrossFit, I am a full believer that, yeah, you need to work on your weaknesses because you want to be a well-rounded individual, like, just from a, a life approachability standpoint. Mm. But you have to do shit that you love. Like, you know, like, fitness is supposed to be fun. So, like, you know, if you love gymnastics – do, you know, do more gymnastics. Like, you know, if that's what keeps you moving and getting up off the couch every day, then yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, you own, so you own two gyms now. Yeah. Um, you're married, you coach, uh, you train yourself. Like you basically just said you train for like whatever, like 62 hours a day. Yes. Um, <laughs> like how do you find the balance? Like, is that something that you're conscious of? in your day planning or your weekly planning or do you ever worry like oh man maybe i'm am i taking on too much there is that going to suffer like is it is it something that you're conscious of like finding that right balance yeah i mean there's it used to be a lot harder um like in the early years of me trying to make the games because our affiliate wasn't as well established and we didn't have as big of a team um like kind of behind us mm. it was a lot harder because i was trying to do like i was doing a lot more on the affiliate side and that takes a lot of time. And like, I was coaching a lot more classes and like, there was just a lot more required, like, you know, physical hours that were going into this. So it was really, really hard. And like, the days were just straight up long for a very long time. You know, like there were like, you know, multiple years where I would get up at 6am, I would coach, I would train for an hour, I would coach again, I would train for two hours, I would eat, I would do work for the business, I would train again, I would coach again, and then I would go home ready to die and curl up in a ball and I would do it all over again, like mm -hmm. day after day after day. And like, you know, it that was not fun and also not sustainable so you know kind of not luckily like obviously everything comes through hard work luck is you know mostly bullshit um but like you know that's when we the luckily the uh, the staff at our affiliate was growing mm. we were bringing on more coaches we were bringing on a manager like all these pieces kind of started to fall into place where you know we were able to delegate some responsibilities away from me and i was you know able to coach less so finding the balance now is definitely a lot easier because there's, you know, over the last five years, we've put in a lot of work to ensure systems are in place that, you know, I can have this balance that I need 
right now. And it's like I said, it's definitely a lot easier now than it used to be. Um, you know, like again, we have a general manager at the gym, we have a couple full-time coaches. So it's like, there's a lot, you know, I don't coach anywhere near as much as I used to. Um, and that allows me a lot of freedom and flexibility to, you know, to get my own training in, to get the work done for the business and to still, you know, most nights of the week be home with my wife when she gets home from work. Um, you know, and then most mornings, uh, when I have to get up early, she comes to class with me. So it's like, we don't miss time together. And like, that's always been a big, a big piece of the puzzle for me. Um, you know, is, is making sure that my training can have balance with my family time because, you know, I, I obviously love my wife a lot and I love spending time with her. And so like, you know, when she can come into, when she comes to my classes, like that's great because it allows me to blend two things that I love my coaching and my, you know, our business and then, you know, our time together as well. So it's like, I, I can mix those things together and same thing. Like, you know, when sometimes if I have to train, you know, on the weekends or if I have to train late at night and stuff like that, like, you know, she'll just come train with me. And it's a great way that like, you know, we can not only share the journey, but we can also, you know, it allows me to feel like I'm getting more balance in because I'm not missing out on time with her because I'm at the gym by myself, you know, yeah. she comes in and we get to do it together and the dog's there, you know, so it's like, it's basically family time, but with a little bit of exercise. Yeah. And extra people. <laughs> and extra people. Yeah. Just a couple. Um, so like when you do do coaching then, do you ever like do you ever forget your own early days like it's something that I'm always wondering about when I see someone who's like say as proficient in all the movements like you've perfected like okay you're probably like well nothing's perfect but like you've you know you're at as perfect a stage as you could be at now you're there yeah. through perfecting these things like do you do you ever find it hard to coach something that comes so naturally to you now because of all the work that you've put in that you see someone not being able to do that you're like just do it like you know just you know like do you ever do, is it hard to kind of empathize when someone's like you know struggling to put their feet wide enough on a burpee or struggling to yeah. you know do a kip or you know that kind of way yeah i mean honestly no because like i i mean even now like I still practice the basics multiple times a week, you know, like I, I don't think that anybody is ever good enough to move past the basics. So like the fact that I'm still so in tune with them and like, you know, like I still do hollow holds, I still do strict pull-ups, you know, like I still practice kip swings during warm up. you know, like I still do all of those very basic foundational components to these, ex like, you know, these exercises. So I definitely don't like, I don't have trouble connecting with athletes on that, you know, perspective because I know just how important those foundational, you know, things are. I mean, the challenge definitely comes with like, I mean, it's, you know, just being a human and learning how to communicate because like everyone's communication style is different. And like, you know, what I, what worked for me might not work for them. And like showing them might, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the hardest part about being a coach is learning how to say, show, or, you know, help someone do these things in a way that makes sense to them yeah you know because like you know for most people you know correcting a kip might be you know like you know like it might be as easy as saying like all right like flex your thighs or like yeah. you know squeeze your quads or like sometimes you flick their quads and you're like flex it you know like like it might be that easy to get rid of them breaking in the backswing on their kip but for some people like you know you tell them three different ways from sunday and they still don't fix it and you're like all right what's like what else can i possibly say to like get you you know like and that's where like i think that's kind of the fun part in coaching but it's also definitely the frustrating part because you know you're like you try and you're constantly picking your brain for like how can i how can i say this or show this differently 
to get you to relate to me. Yeah. You know, like I, I had that last night. We were doing uh, Joe and Katie started doing a gymnastics, like, a, you know, a crash course for eight weeks. <clears throat> um, and we were doing there was loads of different stuff. And then we were doing handstand push ups. And I felt Joe with that hands on face moment that you just did there. You're like, how, like, you know, like, uh, I don't really watch South Park, but like Cartman in South Park, oh. it's like, how do I reach these kids? It was like, <laughs> I felt Joe, like, Joe's aura was just going, like, oh, I just don't understand why. Like, so I was literally just like bouncing, my head was just bouncing off. I had a plate and a mat, and my head was just bouncing. And Joe was like, you know, oh, try, like, uh, your time is a little bit off. Or he was like, you know, do a shallower kip, like, so just don't come down as far as you're coming down and be more powerful. And I was like, right, same thing happened. He's like, okay, try. And it's just like, okay, no, okay, try. And it was just like, I just looked at him and I was like, do you know what? I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's just like, yes. I just need like a week to do this on my own and then I'll come back to you. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like, and again, that's, that's the fun part, but it's definitely like, it's also far above the hardest part. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, again, but then you get like, the reward, I guess, of when the Eureka moment strikes, like, you know. Oh, yeah. And like, that's, I mean, and that's like, as a coach, that's definitely something that like, you know, keeps me going every day is like, you know, some days like, yeah, it's really frustrating because like, you feel like you're speaking, you know, you're speaking Mandarin and they're, you know, they don't understand, you know? So it's like, and those, like, it's really hard on those days because you're like, you're like, all right, different language, speak French. All right, try Spanish. You know, you're like, you're just trying to like different ways to communicate with them. But then like, when you finally figure out the right cue or the right, you know, explanation, whatever it is, and like, and you see them be like, oh, and like the light bulb just goes yeah. off like you know like they have that skill now and you're like son of like yes we did it like yeah. thank god yeah, yeah because it's just it's a puzzle you know like you're it's a communications puzzle or whatever it is like it's just you know puzzle you have to try and solve and i like puzzles <laughs> yeah and speaking of coaching actually katie wanted me to say there's actually a coaching role opened up at wolfhound so if you fancy change of season, oh yeah <laughs> you're more than welcome back yeah there's a lot I'd love to live abroad one day. I've I've always wanted to live so like, you know, that's I'm a I'm a travel like I'm a I'm a traveler at heart. Like, you know, I I love seeing new places and, you know, like experiencing new things. So like, you know, this this whole sanctional like, you know, format's been great for me on a personal level. Um, but yeah, I mean it's I definitely yeah, maybe one day. Come guest spot for like a month or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, there was a lot of messages like that. I got a lot of messages from people saying that it was cool that you were over here and I know Filthy <laughs> messaged me saying that, you know, thanks for coming and it was great having you compete and stuff. And I know like anyone that was at that seminar and Wolfhound, including Joe and Katie, still talk about like, Oh, remember the thing that Tim said and you know, like so it is like it's it's great. Like um so usually I finish up with like kind of a quick fire round. Oh yeah. Um so I'll just go straight into it. So prepare yourself. Um, right. So they're either or. Um, All right. And then there's one kind of harder one at the end that you have to think about. <laughs> um, right. So snatch or clean? Snatch all the time. Uh, Americano or flat white? Americano. Uh, coaching or being coached? Uh, coaching. Uh, running or rowing? Running, for sure. Yeah, you won't say that after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, chipper or sprint? Chipper. Uh, AM or PM training? AM, 100%. That's mad. I can't do it. Uh, first thing to go into your gear bag? Uh, gymnastics grips. Um, best equipment you've ever bought? Ever bought? Um, or acquired? I, I guess... Oh, man. That's really hard, actually. Best equipment I ever acquired. 
Um, I guess the first time I got on an assault bike, I was like, wow, this is the worst thing ever. And I'm so glad it's a part of my life now. <laughs> it is the ultimate love hate. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, I'm getting so fit, but I feel so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, burger or steak? Burger. Oh, yeah. Go vegan or go alcohol free? Alcohol free. Really, I wasn't not expecting. Yeah, I give up your beers. Uh, favorite cheat meal? Uh, burgers, fries, and beer. Nice. Going back on the last question. Uh, okay, you're you've got a golden ticket to the games in three years' time, but the condition is you have to cherry pick your team. So who? What other three athletes? They're not allowed to say no. So what other three athletes are you picking for your team? Ooh. That would be all right. So you two girls and a guy. Yeah, I guess for the guy, I would probably want to pick another larger-ish guy, so the worm wasn't complete chaos. So I pick <laughs> someone like probably Valner, super fit, super grunty, about you know my size-ish. And then for the females, um, Meg Reardon is a good friend of mine, and she's on our program and. Super fit, again, a little bit taller, not super tall, but, like, tall enough to fit into a good worm squad. And who else? What other female would make sense? It's another decent mid-sized female. Um, it's like you're talking about a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need a decent <laughs> mid-range. <laughs> yeah, mid-range. I'm trying to think of, like, another female who's a little bit on the taller side, super fit, strong. Um, Annie probably too tall. Yeah, I mean, Sarah's probably too tall as well. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, maybe someone like in the realm of else. I mean, like Brooke Wells, like someone in that, like someone like around that, like like that build and skill set would probably make a pretty pretty stellar fourth it's, teammate. It's so, yeah, funny, we'll like it shows so quickly. For anyone that's listening, how analytical you actually are, that you immediately went like, right, how can we not fuck up the worm? Most <laughs> like, oh, yes. people are just be like, oh, uh, Tia, Matt, you know, you just pick like the three people that you think are currently the best, but you were like, right, I need another tall guy to match with me, and then I need to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is, a, this is a legit dream team. We're not just going for fitness here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess I should probably I should have maybe picked Rich Froning too. That probably would have been a really good idea. But I mean, either. to be fair, given that you're going there in like a week, you probably should have picked whoever's on your team for Wadapalooza. I probably should have. Yeah, that would have been a really nice thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than every year. Um, yeah, cool. Look, that's it. Uh, like just unending gratitude for doing. It. I really appreciate it. Like it's huge. Like the there's been a. Uh, uh, like a whirlwind of messages coming in saying like shit I can't believe you got him to do an episode so like I really appreciate it and like as I said you're someone that I've admired in the sport from the moment I saw Echo to <laughs> the moment that you know we met when you came over and watching it filthy and stuff so it's been great to just chat and pick your brain and just I'm so grateful that you took time out oh thanks so much man like it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed that so it was awesome I'm glad yeah. I got it.